1: uh, this uh, book by Robin DiAngelo, White Fragility, that somebody bought me and sent me. And I, I got the impression that they were sending it because they were concerned that everybody was reading it. I don't know if they read it at the time. I was I was looking back at the email. I copied it over here to my notes. It said, New York and Colorado and possibly every state is being encouraged to read this book, White Fragility, by Dr. Ruth Rob and uh, D'Angelo, I send you a link to a lecture. I I listened to the lecture. I had to break it up because I don't usually get time to listen to. So I was listening to it very late at night. Somebody else sent me a lecture on white fragility by uh, Ben Shapiro, and uh he considers it to be the worst book he has ever read in his life. And he was and and I was reading part of it, and I was getting the same impression that he was. Because uh, of the the fallacies, uh, also the the false history that it presents, but the fallacies that it uses in its logic, it's classic. Just in her text alone, if you knew nothing else, in her text alone, you could see that there are. Fallacy after fallacy, and the pre- presentation of her arguments. Also, I don't believe her. The stories that she tells, a lot of those stories, I think, are skewed and slanted, and not really truthful. Okay, I've dealt with people, you know, all my life, which is a lot longer than her life, and uh, it's 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 actually the reverse sometimes of what she says, and of course. The whole thing, the whole premise is erroneous because there isn't a black experience. There isn't a white experience. Uh, the world is too diverse. Uh, like I was saying, there are more, more whites were sold into slavery in North Africa than were ever sold from North, from Africa anywhere, North or South, into America. And over a longer period of time. It was, The transport of slaves and the selling of slaves and the you know the capturing and 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 putting bringing people into slavery was outlawed by white people. It was not outlawed by black people. (laughs) It was outlawed because it was still going on all over Africa for a year. As a matter of fact, the last country to outlaw slavery in the world was in Africa, and that was back in the 1960s. I mean, they still had slave markets you could go and buy slaves in the 1960s and uh, you know they'd bring women up and you could check her teeth and see you know what she wanted to pay for and they 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 sold it and that was in Africa that's going on again uh, there is a black market of slaves and even when they outlawed it back then because of the moral outrage by white people was <laughs> just you know that uh, this shouldn't be going on in the 20th century and uh now in the 21st century is back they're back at it again i mean there are people being sold as slaves and organs harvested and uh children being sold as slaves every day throughout the world and it's very hard to stop and the corruption that allows it to go on is high up in government but that is the natural course of things If you don't learn what Dr. Robin D'Angelo seems to not have learned. Because if you look at the rest of the philosophies and theologies and psychologies that she promotes, she hasn't learned the basics of the human character. She does not understand how the mind works. Uh, The the email here went on to say the author had been... uh, a diversity trainer for 20 years. Uh, I don't agree with everything she speaks of. But overall, I appreciate the concept outlined for white folks. Now, so she does kind of advocate it, the person who wrote this. Um, I know you're extremely busy, but I would be interested in your thoughts on some of these ideas. I know this will be hard for you, you to listen to, but it could be at least... Good to know what folks are being fed. Well, from that point of view, I agree with her. Um, I, I don't have any objection with the existence of the book. I don't want to, you know, because I believe in freedom of speech. And uh, it's it's certainly worth the dialogue. But uh, to understand where she went wrong is extremely important to protect yourself from going down those same paths. And so I quoted from the book quite a bit in the two hours this morning. And uh, like I said, some people say there's two fatal flaws is this uh, infalsifiable uh, nature of accusing all white people of being racist and that black people can't be racist which is its just like you're not using the definition of the word you've changed the meaning of the word in order to say something like that uh, certainly black people can be racist and they say well they don't have the power in some neighborhoods they do have the power in some countries they do have the power in some countries they are the hierarchy I mean in South Africa they are running things The ANC is, I mean, people are dying because of the racist attitude of black Africans in South Africa. Not, I shouldn't say black Africans, it's the way you can get tripped into it. Everybody who's black in Africa doesn't think the same way. Everybody in South Africa who is black does not think the same way. It isn't about race. It's about the way you think, the judgmental, condescending way you think about other people. Where you're not judging the people by the content of their character, which is evidenced by what they do, but you're judging them based on race or skin color or the amount of melanin in their skin. That's not what you judge people by. And the only reason you judge people is for your protection, the protection of your children and the protection of your neighbors. You're not judging them to pass judgment on them. I just had somebody who worked in the prison system in here uh, just a couple of minutes ago. And, uh, and, you know, I've talked to him about it. The prisons should not be there to punish misbehavior. The prisons are there to protect... People from the misbehavior of incorrigible criminals. That would change the whole thing. You don't go to jail for a period of time because you committed a crime this bad or that bad. You go to jail until you can prove that you are capable of being released into the public. And now that is going to require the discretion and judgment of each individual. You can't be going around with Kafka trap. Logic, which is this—the whole premise of D'Angelo is based on that. If if you argue against your racism, the 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 accusation that you're a racist—that's proof you're a racist. According to her, that's that's absurd. You you can't. You're not allowed. You're guilty until you prove your innocence. And if you try to prove your innocence, that's proof you're guilty. That's the basis of white fragility. And the reality is, is black fragility. <laughs> Which, it doesn't fall in, onto the shoulders of all blacks by any means whatsoever. It's just it's That's not the way it works. But there are blacks suffering from black fragility they're oversensitive they're easily offended all these people is that shout people down because they don't like what they're saying that's fragility they can't i can i'm my beliefs don't require that you believe them my beliefs don't require that you agree with them that's that's just the way it is i'm not fragile about it it's not difficult for me to listen to Robin speak but it pains me because I see she is so deluded she is so lost in her own vanity yes it is absolutely true that people can have hidden prejudices in them or they think they're not prejudiced and they actually are but it's also true that people can have hidden sensitivities in them. I mean, like Ben Shapiro is a Jew. He's a conservative Jew who went to Harvard. <laughs> so he understands bigotry. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he suffered under that. His parents suffered under that. His grandparents suffered under persecutions by many people. Based on his so-called race, Jew, Judaism is not a race, but he's he's a member of the Jewish community and been that way through the lineage for for thousands of years. Well, hundreds of years at least, I don't know. I don't know his personal lineage, but he's considered a, a fairly orthodox pharisaical Jew. I don't see the locks, but I know that if he comes over to eat at your house, he's going to bring his own food because he eats kosher. And he's married to a woman of color, North African lady, uh who's a doctor. So he's he's very familiar with this, but he thought it was the worst book he had ever written or ever read. Why did he think that? What was he seeing in her philosophy or logic or dialogue that he considered to be so wrong. So if we're going to have the conversation, we're going to have to have the conversation about how he looks at this thing. For one thing, you should not imagine that you see racism everywhere. And and according to her, if you don't see racism everywhere, you aren't looking hard enough. But racism is a social construct. It's an idea. Martin Luther King was trying to get to the place where we were all colorblind. We didn't measure anybody by the color of their skin. And we were getting there. And it took... It's not one of these things where you can just suddenly pass a law and then everybody's not going to be prejudiced anymore. I can tell you these riots are going to create more prejudice, more anger, more resentment. You just burn down somebody's business... And you you based it on the fact that you called him a racist. Well, that's not going to endear anybody to loving one another. And I don't know if you could ever get rid of of all racism until you got rid of all imperfection. Racism is an excuse to hate. The motivator is the fact that you already want to hate. The motivator is you want to think you're right. You want to be, you are vain, proud, arrogant. And so, therefore, you have to have somebody to dislike. So, Robin gives you white people to dislike. And gets white people not only disliking white people, but disliking black people who like white people. You know, cops, black cops, working with white cops, they're working in a situation where sometimes they have to depend upon one another to stay alive. They... they become that band of brothers that have to back up one another. Same with uh, military. Now, it doesn't always work out that way, but they get real camaraderie. That's where you break down the imaginary racial barriers. Because blacks were not the only ones enslaved. Whites were enslaved for thousands of years. We show the whole history of that. Millions upon millions of slaves that were white in Europe, and then oppressed. Certainly millions upon millions of people were oppressed. Uh, You know, 6%, was it, what was it, 6%? I'm trying to think of the actual, no, it's not 6%, it's more than 6% uh, of the people who were Exterminated during the Holocaust were Jews. The large, that was the largest single minority of people that died during the Holocaust were Jews. Now, whatever the number is, people can argue about that. But lots and lots of people died in Germany because the Nazis took over. They they killed tens of thousands of people, dissidents, what have you. We know that they they weren't all Jews, but a lot of them are Jews. Uh, the what we call gypsies a lot of them were killed but most all of those people were really white that were killed by the Germans who were really white you go to Russia the road of bones those are white men's bones in those uh, roadside you know where they they actually they plow the roads now In the wintertime and bones show up. Because that's why they call it the road of bones. Because so many people died during the construction of the Siberian highways. Those were white people. Killing white people. We could find the same thing in Africa. The Zulus when they came into South Africa. The Zulus were immigrants to South Africa, the same as the Boers were immigrants to South Africa. The difference was the Boers did not come in and annihilate and wipe out people. The Zulus did. They wiped out, subjugated, enslaved every tribe they could come across and defeat. And they tried to do the same with the Boers and were unable to do that. And history will probably repeat itself, at least to some degree. It will be a terrible bloodbath when it comes. But it will come because blacks can be racist. Blacks can hate. Anybody who can hate can be racist. Anybody who hates with an unreasonable hate, uh, probably all hate is unreasonable, they can be racist. So, she goes on, she's really warring against is, and what she's really warring for is Marxism. And that shows you that she's not against slavery because Marxism, socialism is slavery uh, but uh sh- she's asking questions like do you feel this racial shame because you're white I absolutely do not uh, I go back in my lineage back to the 1600s I can go back to the 1500s it gets a little foggier in the 1400s now, we were oppressed a lot of times as a family. and We had our heads cut off. Members of our family got our heads cut off by men who wanted to be king. Uh, we we uh, fled under religious persecution more than once. And then we were per, per, uh, persecuted by the religious groups to some degree, not as badly, that uh, we fled with. And uh, like I said, my great-grandfather was smuggling slaves in the Underground Railroad. And he was kicked out of the Quaker church because of it. He just joined the Schism Quakers, which were all the other Quakers who were smuggling slaves in the Underground Railroad. But anyway, Robin, her philosophy is setting people up for failure. And like I said, Morgan Freeman said, stop talking about race if you want to get rid of racism. And that's what we were kind of doing after the Civil Rights Movement. And it made most bigotry illegal. I mean, obviously, you can be bigoted and nobody can tell. But you you, the Jim Crow laws had to go. And uh, a lot of the other things had to go. Of course, that's not going to end hatred. It's not gonna end bigotry or prejudice, but it's not no longer systemic. It's not the law. But what was happening and Larry Elder makes a pretty good case for this, I've I've seen others make a pretty good case. We have videos up at Preparing You. I'm gonna put a bunch more, I've got a bunch selected. That uh you know, of of Jason Riley and Bob Woodson and Shelby Steele and and all these guys. I wish I had videos of Booker T. Washington. But Thomas Sowell interviews are up there already. Walter E. Williams. These guys. Really. They're black. They had the black experience. But now they're be they would be called Uncle Toms. By those people who agree with Robin. And. That's ridiculous. And you know. I mean there's. There's, I can't even think of all the names that I could add to that. And, and people, they, they have this, you know, like somebody was saying that, that President Obama's, uh, tenure in office that, uh, that he was, uh, mistreated and treated, uh, with a sort of racism. But everything that, uh, Barack suffered, whatever that is, because he was really given a free pass on many, many, many things. And Trump would have never got away with the things that Obama was getting away with. The huge amounts of, uh, personal expenses and things like this. They just, they just let all that slide. But both Bill Clinton and Donald Trump endured much longer shutdowns and all these other things. So her logic that somehow or other this uh they warred against Barack Obama's presidency. No, he just was not very good at what he was doing. And what he was doing, fortunately for us, uh he was not very good at what he was doing... ...because what he was doing wasn't working and wasn't happening because it was a bad they were bad ideas. I mean, this is a guy that had Cloward and Piven come to the White House to eat on a regular basis, numerous times. Cloward and Piven are Marxists who want to see the downfall of the Republican, of the democracy, and install a Marxist government in the United States. They were good friends of Barack Obama. They're probably not good friends of Donald Trump. Not that Donald Trump is your salvation. The salvation is you have to turn around your thinking and think a different way. Start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And and it's very clear that she's not doing that. So anyway, we're kind of reviewing the book, but I I I could go over and talk about uh I, I took some notes as I listened at two o'clock this morning I Got up because wolves and coyotes were trying to eat the sheep, and so <laughs> anyway, I uh, got up and uh, I thought, well, this is a good time. Nobody's using the internet, and so I. Uh, but anyway, I uh, I took some notes as I was listening to his show. He had six points that he was making about when he read the book, and he was doing a lot of quoting from that book. He said seven reasons why White Fragility is the worst book ever. <laughs> That's that was the way. He put it now the now he has a conservative philosophy, but the only reason I kind of like Ben Shapiro, I mean he is a genius, he has a tremendous memory, he talks faster than I do, but uh I've heard him say that uh the government should be out of the the marriage business uh should be out of the educational business, really. Uh, That we should take care of one another through charity, not through taxation. He understands that the welfare system of a society needs to be done through charity. He's right about that. Now, I don't know how far he takes it. He may not take it as far as us, But even utter those kinds of concepts makes him of interest to me as an individual. Because that's, that's rare to find people that understand the importance of that. Robin D'Angelo does not understand the importance of that. As a matter of fact, she is going to weaken black people with her philosophy. Because now they can blame all their failures on white people. That's not the case. You know, I pointed out before that when it was illegal to teach Irishmen how to read they became some of the best storytellers in the world. When they finally learned to read, they had this huge history of storytelling, and they became some of the greatest authors in the world because of this trials and tribulations of not being allowed the opportunity of learning to read. The nature of the Hebrew language alters the way in which Hebrew... Uh, people who study Hebrew think because the language makes you think more in metaphor and symbolism than other languages. So, all the, everything that doesn't kill you makes you stronger and it got, now, recently I heard from the same lady that there were lynchings. Now, I'm shocked that there are lynchings in the South and they don't get Promoted in the press. How in the world would you be lynching black people and somebody knows it with everybody having cell phones and it's not getting into the press because the press just leaps at opportunities like that to promote that. And anybody, if, if it happened, anybody with a cell phone can take a picture and it could be on social media overnight. So where, where were these? Let me let me see where they were. Now, now I I agree. There are you know when I first heard about this, I wrote her back that you know I know people down south in some counties where it is so corrupt that uh, you know I know a guy he bought something he showed it to an ex sheriff and the ex sheriff wanted to buy it from him and he's and he because it's a rather rare item and he says no I, I'm going to keep it. On his way home he was pulled over by cops who beat him stabbed him in the head with an ice pick took the item and left him for dead and the item ended up in the hands of this ex sheriff they he they he literally made a phone call to cops who went and pulled this guy over to steal that item that he would not sell to the cop to the, to the ex police chief that's corruption and he, this guy miraculously lived, I've got pictures of him, when he shows up, now he shows up, we getting pictures, press was there, and he's supposed to be dead, and he's got an ice pick hole stuck in his head, into his brain, it actually went into his brain. They thought they had killed him, and of course they, they killed him in that way or attempted to kill him in that way, so that they could say, oh, somebody else did it. But he says, no, that cop there, and that cop there, did this. They made this happen. And he had photographs. He had doctor's reports. He named the ex-sheriff. He told what, he had, you know, receipts from the item that he had purchased, and was stolen from him. And he told the whole story, but, No nothing ever happened about it. I mean they had federal officers eventually come and investigate and everything. But they you know, they just tighten ranks and they get away with it. Well they were all white. They were all white. It wasn't anything to do with black or white. It just has to do with corruption. And a lot of people don't realize is that a third of the people that the KKK lynched were white. They weren't all black. Yeah, they picked on the blacks. But it really isn't It really isn't about black and white. It's about hate. It's about irrational behavior. It's about vanity. It's about denial of trauma instead of dealing with trauma in your life and then you become habitually corrupt. And, you know, like I've talked before about the there was an experiment with this push thing where they had all these actors and they got five people and they... They uh, got him to sign waivers and everything. And that everybody that they were dealing with, the individuals were dealing with, and they did this every night, were actors. And supposedly it was a a big uh, charitable ball and everything, and a guy supposedly dies. He doesn't really die. And they they are supposed to, and he tried, they, they talk them into doing this, where they're hiding the body. And eventually the guy's alive and eventually they get him in a situation where he's going to have them all put into jail for what they had done. If they And the only way to save everybody is to push him over this ledge. He's sitting on a ledge. Now he has a rope tied onto him, a cable, so he isn't going to die. But they don't know that and they're told all you have to do is push him over that and we'll be safe. He's old guy's going to die anyway. And, you, you know, you got these five different people that go through this whole scenario with all these actors. And, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Several of them actually killed the guy. You know, pushed him off. He didn't die. And they were showing that you can manipulate people in in 24 hours. You can manipulate somebody to become a murderer if you set this itch. And the way you do it is you get them to do little unreasonable actions. And then you've, you know, slightly dishonest actions. You get them to do that. They can become okay with that. And then you up the ante. And you up the ante. And they have invested in their friendship with you. And eventually you up the ante where you're, you're saying, Oh, all you have to do is push them. Just, just take a, just a second. Just push them and then we'll all be safe. Otherwise we're going to jail. We're going to do time. It's going to ruin our lives. We're going to lose everything. All you have to do is just give him a nudge. He's just sitting there. He he won't even see you come up. Some of them did it. Some of them would not. They turned and they ran out of that. They thought it was all real. It was all fake. But they're showing you how easy it is. I mean, that's how you get the Nazis to kill people. And that's how you're going to get... You, you got white people yelling at black cops, calling them terrible names. In defense of Black Lives Matter. Because they got them to do little unreasonable things. Robin DiAngelo's books is full of unreasonable concessions. The mere idea of saying all oh, white people are racist... And if they try to defend themselves that's proof they're racist. That's irrational. That doesn't make any sense. You have no idea what experiences white people have had and, and what what choices they have made. You can't make blanket statements about anybody black or white or Asian based on race. Race is a color of the skin, a quantitative calculation of DNA particles. You can't do that. She does that all the time. Plus, her reporting of history is inaccurate. She leaves out... Of course, the whole 1619 project is doing the same thing. So anyway, he had uh, six things that that he... uh, was uh, criticizing her book about, and he goes to that, and you can probably look that up, and maybe we'll put a link to it, see. And and I'm not saying that there isn't some value in the book, but you have to guard against this, because this has become pervasive. This is how Black Lives Matter can do such damage to the black community now, under the guise of caring about black lives. They're actually Marxists. They have to destroy individualism. They have to make excuses for meritocracy. Now, meritocracy is an odd thing. Maybe we'll get to that. But let's run through uh, Ben Shapiro's uh, things. He refers to it as a cult manual. He says, uh, well, he doesn't say all this, uh, but I was taking my own notes and I saw that there was there was this historical hyperbole and uh, bias blinders in looking at history. But uh it allows her to invent virtuous history without progression of personal sacrifice that brought about real change. Uh yeah. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson were not perfect people. Neither was uh Ulysses S. Grant and Robert E. Lee. But they had ideas and we could say Booker T. Washington wasn't perfect either uh but uh, and, and you can you can explore the imperfections of their life you know maybe they were short tempered maybe they uh had biases in some areas of their life but what good did they do what what are we supposed to remember about individuals the bad or the good we remember the good so that we can use that as a model but they want to tear down everything that was good in these individuals and defame them. That is the spirit of destruction. Anybody who wants to do that has already given themselves over to a bad spirit. Anybody who wants to justify that has given themselves over to that bad spirit. And that spirit will control their thinking. Uh It's those personal sacrifices... You know, like my great-grandfather smuggling slaves in the Underground Railroad. I don't have all the stories of all the people that he helped and why he helped certain people and how their lives turned out. But chances are they survived and their children are now walking around in this country. Where are they? I have no idea. If we, we were all gathering in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ had said, we could probably trace a lot of that history. But we' become divided and we and we can 't do that, and we become delusioned about what Christianity is all about but uh, for centuries of slavery by white, black brown, red, yellow races was brought um, to a halt around the world by white people it wasn 't by the up it wasn 't by black people that brought this. Slavery to a halt, you know it's like people like Wilberforth and others now I'm not saying that black people didn't contribute to that, but it was white people that freed and put an end to slavery that had existed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. now, who's bringing it back? Where do we see that slavery come back? Well, we actually see it amongst some whites, but we really see it in Africa the most where blacks are enslaving blacks. Muslims are hot into that because there's aspects of the Quran that lead you to believe that slavery is okay. The slavery that, that brought blacks to America is against the teachings of the Bible. The Bible is against hunting down people and enslaving them, you know, capturing and enslaving them. Well, the blacks that were brought from Africa, most of them, that's what they did. Somebody hunted them down and enslaved them and sold them to slave ships along the coast. Now, to be perfectly honest, there were probably people who sold themselves into slavery I don't know what the percentage is, but I can't imagine that this did not take place in order to have a better life in America. And ultimately, those who survived did. But the same amongst the whites who came here. Many of them did not survive. Those that survived had the opportunity of a better life. And nobody can say that the American way of life has not altered the well-being of the entire world. What we propagated here in America, and eventually in the 1800s began to be emulated all over Europe and the rest of the world, yeah, brought a lot of times by colonization, but I mean like India was at war, one kingdom with another. There was a great deal of violence. And then what what really divided them is that when they finally got their home rule, the the Muslims wanted their own country and the Hindus wanted their own country and millions suffered and died when they were suddenly my son was just talking to someone who was a Sikh neither Muslim nor Hindu and uh, their relatives were there during that that shifting of the populations where a lot of them went to you know the, the Muslims went to the east and the west and the Indians got the property in between. That's that wasn't necessarily a race. That was that was just hatred. And that's all race you know, race conflict is just hatred. It doesn't have anything to do with skin color. It doesn't have anything to do with race. It has to do with the willingness to hate and the unwillingness to forgive. Divorce has the willingness to it comes about because you don't have the willingness to forgive. now, obviously, in the case of divorce, there are two people involved. One may want to forgive, but the other one won't, but the easy, the more the one forgives in a righteous way, the harder it is to get to that divorce. The more power righteousness has in the family, the closer righteousness one partner gets it can change the whole course of events so anyway he talks about you know her fabricated history where she uh, makes history such a bad thing and uh, and just and this is we see this with everything even with the movies and stuff where all the heroes in the movies like star wars they all turn out to be losers that they, they don't make them out as heroes there is some sacrifice in some of these uh, heroes, but they are tearing our heroes down. Yeah, our heroes are not perfect, and we should be able to study about their imperfections, but we do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. And yeah, we, we don't put up these statues. You know, I'm not a big one for putting up statues, but the idea of the putting up the statues is not to celebrate what they did wrong, but to celebrate what they did right. And, you know, most of what they did right was when they were willing to admit what they did wrong. And that's 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 one of the things that I remember reading in George Washington is that he he did some things that he felt really bad about. And he, he confessed them openly that he had done these bad things. Was he perfect? No. He was struggling. He got involved with things that I would think that was not good. But the reason we talk about these things is so that you learn from their mistakes. But basically, if there is any inequality of outcome, it must be a product of this invisible poison gas of racism coming from white people, because racism doesn't come from black people. This is, this is the message of the book. Without individualism, which is, is uh, supposed to be bad, according to her, there is no need for individual responsibility. The devil made you do that, and the devil is white. That's basically what her message is. That blacks don't have to take that individual responsibility. If you're white, then you can only be saved by tearing down the white system, which is a hierarchy of racism. This is, this is, they're trying to bring in Marxism. This is her goal. Her goal is not to make us aware Of hidden racisms in our heart. Because where you become aware of that. Is that people intermarry. People interact. You you break down the barriers. You don't have black neighborhoods. Or white neighborhoods. You might have a little bit more black. Or a little bit more white. uh, In one neighborhood. But that begins to diminish. And diminish. And diminish. Because you are a melting pot. It's when you segregate. That you're not a melting pot. And what do you see coming out of the this Black Lives Matter movement, they want special areas on campuses and in these little enclaves they create that are for blacks only. They are segregationists. They are the new black supremacists. I just saw a big group of blacks talking about, you know, the government has to give them a section of land and they become an autonomous nation. And they're all standing there armed and everything. And uh, It was, I don't know, somebody showed me on their uh, phone, the video, and I like he says, we'll we'll take Texas. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. In order to take Texas, you want to have land of your own and a nation of your own. I mean, Liberia is still open. That's why Jefferson created Liberia, so the blacks can go back there and have their own country. Did not work out real well. Now, there's a lot of people in Liberia, and they're starting to learn their lessons, and I guess it's a pretty good place. I don't know. But if you think you can do it better, then you could go there. Now, I'm not trying to get rid of the blacks, but if you want to go, I'm not trying to keep you here. I think that we can learn to live together if we learn to live a righteous way, which it goes back to not coveting one another's goods. See, Mrs. D'Angelo would have a socialist nation where everybody's a slave. Where you don't own your labor anymore. That's, isn't that what slavery is? You don't own your labor. Somebody else decides what you get to keep and what you don't get to keep. You got that now and she wants more of that. That's not wanting freedom. That's not for freeing the blacks. It's for making everybody a slave. So now she can, as the high priestess of her admiring followers, can virtue signal her... uh uh, and you also, she and you, can virtue signal your way to greatness through the, this humble wokeness. You're humble enough to be woke. You're not awake and you're not seeing the whole truth. You're not seeing the whole truth of history. Maybe i tell you what, instead of going over this, we may go back to that at another time. Because I see my typos when because I'm doing this in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning. What I will talk to you about is what some of these other authors this is much more positive note basically she got it wrong yeah there's hidden racism, but she what she's talking about is is outside of the realm of reality so who is getting it right? who is understanding well, I mentioned. You know, Thomas Sowell, and we've got videos up on him. I'm going to put some up on Jason Riley, who says, my beef with black left is that they want to keep the focus on what government or Washington or politicians or whites in general can do for blacks instead of what blacks can do for themselves. And so he he writes a whole book on this stuff and uh, got, you know, mandating unemployment. Uh, benefits and things like that. That's not what you want, A Confirmative action. You, he says that's, that's hurting blacks it, it's, it, and the breaking down of the families through the welfare state. It's hurting the black community. And so he speaks out against it. Shelby Steele does the same thing in the 1960s civil rights victories dealt a blow to racial discrimination that made it illegal to discriminate. No, it's still, people are still going to discriminate. But what happens, you know, one of the things Ben Shapiro points out is that the markets were already freeing up a lot of communities, especially in the North. Now in the South, because of these entrenched corrupt officials, and why were so many entrenched corrupt officials in the South? Because of the decadence that slavery brought. Slavery did more damage to whites in, in the long run, than it did to blacks, which is why so many blacks came out of slavery and were extremely successful. But many whites pondered and mulled over. I remember Robert E. Lee said to someone who was complaining about the North had bombed their big estate and destroyed so many things, and this one beautiful tree it was all broken branches and everything, and. Uh, and Robert E. Lee responds to her when she was talking about this terrible thing that people like Sherman had done when he came through burning in the South and destroying stuff. He said, cut it down and start anew, you know, cut the tree down, be done with it. And cause you can't heal without that. And many of the people in the South could not forgive the atrocities of the North when they invaded the South and, and caused such destruction. They couldn't forgive. And that's why there's so much corruption in the South. The, the whites are still suffering from the fact that they enslaved their fellow man. Do they get reparations? <laughs> no. You don't get reparations. You deal with the cards that you are given. You do the best with what you've got and you will pass on wisdom to your, your children and they will grow from that. You know, there are all kinds of surveys showing that if you, it's, that, that another thing the Marxists want to destroy is the, uh, family. Not only individualism, but family, cause that's where family, families produce individuals. Collectives do not produce individuals. Collective produces slaves. The plantation, as they call it. But Shelby still, he, he writes, is white guilt destroying the promise of civil rights? Because he saw these great achievements that we move forward with, because in this case, not just blacks, but blacks and whites, or not just whites, but blacks, I mean, Martin Luther King. Now, there's a flawed man. Martin Luther King was flawed. He was a lot less faithful to his family than Malcolm X was faithful to his. Malcolm X was very dedicated to his family. As a matter of fact, I think he was betrayed and murdered by his own people because he was was not in it just for power. Farrakhan is in it for power. Farrakhan says some things that are true, says some things that are not true. But Farrakhan is in it for power. And... And the fact is, we don't see that. I, I, think, I believe Robin D'Angelo is in it for power and selling books and money and prestige. She, she wouldn't see so unclearly if she wasn't. So, why are we so easily fooled by people who want power over us? Who, who don't follow in the footsteps of, of uh, Gideon? Who says, I and my family will not rule over you. I don't want to rule over your mind. I want you to look at these things and find out why people are so susceptible to the, why somebody like Ben Shapiro and Thomas Sowell and, uh, Jason Riley, why they can see the problem with D'Angelo's book. Well, and other people don't. Why can't they see it? Why are they so fooled? Why is it so popular? It's because vanity is ruling the minds of the people. It is full of inaccuracies. He says uh, Has affirmative action sabotaged the gains of the civil rights movement? What is the role of personal accountability? He's talking about personal accountability. That is just poo poo by Robin DeAngelo. It's not personal accountability, it's racism. That's why you failed. is it the antithesis of what these great men are saying. In improving the standing of minority groups, in this book, White Guilt, How Blacks and Whites Together Destroyed the Promise of the Civil Rights Era. He's talking about Robin DiAngelo and Black Lives Matter and uh, Jesse Jackson and um, Al Sharpton they're destroying the civil rights movement because they're not they they think for some reason they think that unless the government doesn't get involved blacks can't make it on their own and and you see this racism amongst the whites all the time but it's not the white supremacists that is doing the great damage it's the people who follow this theory of white fragility they're the ones who are destroying the black community. But of course the black community is... There's plenty of people in the black community that see the fraudulentness of this and they say, no, you, you've got to make it yourself. You've got to make it happen. That that racism is a social construct. And it is used by the left to bring society down. There is no race. There's only man. Kind. And, and woman is... Just a man with a wound. We are the same. We are one. We are different, but we are the same. Yeah, there are are black people that can jump higher than me, and there's guys that are stronger than me, and there's guys I'm stronger than, and there's guys smarter than me, and there's guys that I'm smarter than, but we are all sons and children of God. Why aren't we seeing what the real problem? He says... If so, white fragility survives only as rhetoric device to invalidate the heterodox opinions at a stroke, in the same way critics of capitalism dismiss critique of communism as bourgeoisie. We, we need to look at things differently, and of course that's what Christ came. There is no more black there is no more white. There is no more Greek. There is no more Jew. There is no more Gentile. We judge men and women by the content of their character, not the color of their skin or their national origin or any of these other things. The only hope is that we give people the right to choose that God gave them. We allow them the freedom And the right to choose. Because freedom is the right to choose. The right to create for oneself the alternative choice without the possibility of choice and the exercise of choice. A man is not a man, but a member, an instrument, a thing. I quoted that this morning. That's Archibald McLeish back in the days of FDR. He realized this. He warned that these social programs we pour and pour money into them and they're actually slowing down the recovery. And that's what's happening to the black community. More this unneeded sympathy and the need for forgiveness. It doesn't matter whether you didn't make it because some white guy was prejudiced. Somebody called you names. You know, I go into groups all the time and speak up and people call me names and say I'm crazy and everything. I could go over on Facebook right now. <laughs> I probably find, you know, there's some people who like what I say, but there's plenty of people who don't like what I say. And uh, if uh the more people that hear me, the more there will be people who don't like what I'm saying. But I don't say it because I'm looking for people to like what I say. Therefore, it doesn't affect me to find people who don't like what I say. You if if you don't think somebody is colorblind and you think that they're being prejudiced to you, you be colorblind back to them. Don't blame it on race, don't blame it on the color of their skin. Just forgive them. You will find more power than that than in the hate that is in this book. She's very clever about Uh, disguising her hate, but she is doing damage to the black community and to the white community with her book because her book is not honest because she is not honest. And we need to turn around and go the other way to, to, and people like those that I was mentioning, uh, Jason Riley and Thomas Sowell and there's, I I wish I had made a longer list. I'm very bad at names, but, uh, uh, Shelby Steele, and these guys, and, and the ancient, or the older ones, Booker T. We don't know how many black people wrote in the Bible. So, anyway, hopefully we'll get to the minor prophets next time, and we'll start seeing what the real solution is. And until then, all I can say is peace upon your house, And may God be with you. Uh, God bless.
0: You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church.